in a lot of ways, my whole content up until a few months ago has been a shadow career. And I'm finally getting out of that now, I think. I feel like all I'm doing is waking up and creating things and then going to sleep and then doing it again. And I think that's like how people are meant to live if you are a creative type. And I'm not 100% there because I think to do that right, you have to have the monetization built in where it's like thing you're creating is monetizing and then you're going back into the thing you're creating and then it's getting better and bigger and you're making more money. My shit is close to that, but it's still kind of like I'm making money in different ways off of that. I feel like the people who really take over the world, it's seamless and it's a pure flywheel. Then you're no longer in the shadows. Zach Polgrob is an athlete, entrepreneur, and creator focused on a single word, obsession. He is one of the fastest growing creators in the world with over 2 million followers across platforms. In this episode, we unpack why Zach is doubling down on the Obsession brand, why fitness and health are fundamental parts of his journey, tactical recommendations to growing an audience and creative platform, and why New York City is the best place to build a global movement. Welcome back to episode 23 of the Turning Pro Podcast. Today we have Zach Pogrob, the man of obsession, joining us today. I gotta be honest with you, I've been so excited for this moment. There's so much to unpack because I accidentally met Zach he has now been staying with me at my apartment and we've become very good friends over the last couple of weeks, months, I would say. And I was thinking about this episode because I was just trying to unpack where do I even start, to be honest with you. So I think I want to start this episode by just sharing how Zach and I even got connected. Um, and the craziest part about this is that you were actually the first straw that brought the two of us together. And Hell yeah. I don't even know if you knew that until now. So the quick story is that and to preface this, I don't really read that many newsletters because I just feel like a lot of them feel like homework. Like when you open your inbox and you have a lot of things going to go through and then you see a newsletter, you're like, I don't have 30 minutes to commit to this right now. And so for that reason, I've just never stuck to reading a newsletter. You know that about me. And so one day you were like, Ben, I think I have a newsletter that you're going to love. You need to subscribe to it. It was Zach's newsletter, The 10 Bullets. And I had been reading it every single week religiously for a few months at this point. And I was at lunch with a friend, Casey Adams. And when we were wrapping up lunch, he casually just looked at me. and was like, hey, I'm going to go stop by my friend's office, Zach Pogrob. Uh, you're more than welcome to come. And I like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, wait a minute. Is that the kid who writes this newsletter? And I asked Casey and he's like, yeah, yeah, Zach. And I actually canceled the meeting that I was supposed to take to go to the office to meet Zach. Because in my mind, I'm like, I have the attention span of a squirrel. And if someone can write a newsletter that can capture my attention every week, week after week, this person is interesting to me specifically. And so I need to meet him. And I canceled the meeting. It went to the office with Casey. And now we're sitting here on the couch doing this episode. That's wild. That was wild to me because you were the first person who I met who only knew me from the newsletter. That like blew my mind. Because I loved, at the time when I met you, that was probably like six months ago, actually longer, like 10 months ago, eight months ago. I loved the newsletter. I thought it was the best thing I was making, but it was like, it doesn't get as much attention as the Instagram. And so that was a cool moment because, uh, I don't know, it's just funny. So I think I introduced you as the obsession man, but Zach is a creator, right? Now I define you to people as a writer and a runner. That Like those are the two things that you're doing. Correct. Um, I think you embody this podcast more than most people I know. And I've watched that progression, I think, in the short time I've known you of turning pro, right? Like you have taken things to a whole new level. Your way of saying turning pro is obsession and you've embodied that and you show it to me. And I think when people talk to me about you because they know we're friends, I always explain to them, you don't understand. Zach is not just preaching this idea online. He actually lives it every single day, even though you don't see what he does behind the scenes. 
And so I think I want to start by you maybe just giving a little bit of backstory about how you got to where you are. And then also those moments in your life that were life changing for you that really made you feel like you were turning pro. Yeah, because it's funny. Like six months ago, around the time we met, I don't think I was a pro any to any comparison to where I am now. And I would sit in the park in Brooklyn and read the book, Turning Pro. Read it for like a week straight. And that book really helped me. A few other books helped me during that time. Yeah, where I started, um, um, I went to college upstate New York, was graduating college and you know was on a pre-med track after playing college soccer sort of playing college soccer, kind of having a failed career with that. Didn't really want to be a doctor, but it was just the impressive path to you know impress people. And so when I was leaving school, I basically started two things at the same time. Started making content, and I started this company doing photo booths for weddings, right? And the way I saw it, it's like, okay, start this rental business so I can make money and survive and not have to get a job. And then two, the content is all that matters. The content is going to be the world I spend all my time in. I'm gonna do it forever. and you know, I don't remember the day that happened, but something just clicked with me that I'm going to start this and I'm never going to stop. And I never, ever thought about stopping, which to some people that is like crazy. And it kind of is when I think about it. Are there any recent over the past six, 12 months, uh, Stephen Pressfield talks about shadow careers a yeah. lot. Are there any specific shadow careers over the past six, 12 months that you want to call out? A hundred percent. Cause that's kind of the story of my last year, like long story short. So to take from that timeline after I graduated school, I wrote on Instagram for years, grew like 200,000 followers. And then um, around this time last year, I started making these animated videos and it completely changed my life. I took the same writing I was doing, turned it into this new format of animations and boom, gained like 2 million followers, but kept doing that. And in a lot of ways, that was a shadow career in some ways because I was getting all the dopamine of going viral and getting all this attention, but I wasn't building a true connection, a true community, right? Which is what I really want to do. And so in a lot of ways, my whole content up until like a few months ago has been a shadow career, right? And I'm finally getting out of that now, I think. How can you tell that you're getting out of it? Because I have, I feel like all I'm doing is waking up and creating things and then going to sleep and then doing it again. And I think that's like how people are meant to live if you are a creative type. And and I'm not 100% there. Like I'm not... Because I think to do that right, you have to have the monetization built in where it's like the thing you're creating is monetizing and then you're going back into the thing you're creating and then it's getting better and bigger and you're making more money. I'm My shit is close to that, but it's still kind of like I'm making money in different ways off of that. I feel like the people who really take over the world, it's seamless and it's a pure flywheel. And that is then you're no longer in the shadows. It's you, almost like you missed a key detail, though. What? You started putting your face on camera. Yeah, that's the that's like that's the, the big change. That's the big change, right? Because he built. Yeah. He built his initial audience with these animations and this motivational speak, if you will, like the obsession content content, but no one knew who Zach Pograb was. I was a creator, but I wasn't creating anything. It's like, I'll be so transparent about that. To some people, it looked like I was probably doing all this shit, but I was doing nothing. I was fucking sitting in my office, responding to emails and like getting some brand deals, but like writing some shit, but there was nothing. Versus now, I'm actually making shit. But the thing is, and like, this is what resonated with me is the relatability of what I want to I want to make sure that it's very clear that you were creating something. Yeah. But I think just the word creation can mean so many different things. So I don't think you need to discount what it is that you were doing. Yeah. Look, it had an impact on me. Like that's the only reason we're yeah. sitting here. So you were creating something. I just don't think looking back today, it's the thing you wanted to be known for and it's not the thing you wanted to create forever. The way that I've seen it as I've watched you over the last couple months is that you were writing about this concept of obsession. 
and you can't get rid of it. Like it is who you are. But I think now you're basically taking this concept that you've been building for other people and then showing your life through the lens of a camera that you're embodying all the things that you're saying. Right. So I joke. And again, I, I think I've gotten to know Zach more intimately over the last couple of months than probably anyone in his life, to be honest with you, because he literally has been staying at my apartment with me. And I only tweeted once about this and I don't know if I'll continue it or not, (laughs) but (laughs) we were joking about this and this is real. He, a doesn't know how to do like certain basic life things or B just doesn't give a fuck because he's, it's at the expense of him like losing his train of thought on the things he's obsessed with. Right. Like I'm talking about how to use an espresso machine or like he didn't know how to make pasta because it was like boiling water and he just, he doesn't doesn't care because he's so locked in on the thing he's obsessed with. And I, I didn't really understand what he meant by all these things he was talking about until I actually saw him living. And I'm like, wait, you quite literally will not allocate any sort of energy or time to anything that gets in your way of embodying the thing that you care about. And I was like, this is like, this kid's going to be one of the biggest creators in the world in the next 10 years. Pasta still confuses me. I don't know how to boil water. I I boil it. And then I don't know if I should bring it back to the medium (laughs) while it cooks. See, I've just never tried and never want to. I'm curious specifically (laughs) living with Ben over how long have you guys? Not that long. A couple weeks. Okay. So not like a week. I think something that is, part of we call it an obsession arc or whatever it is but part of that is ruthlessly auditing who you're around yeah could be a significant partner it could be your family sometimes it could be your friends and one of the things that i've noticed since meeting ben six 12 months ago it's like that paul graham essay about like when ambitious people are left without other ambitious people they flounder yeah. and then when you meet one other person they thrive it's like yeah. a flower blooming and so we can just hype up ben gas him up for a second but why is it so important to hang out with people like ben and people like Hunter and Dylan, who I know a bit. Yeah, I mean, Ben especially, he's always on. And those are my favorite types of people, and there's not that many. He just doesn't turn off, and that's the type of energy I want to be around. It's super rare. Almost no one else is like that. And and even for me, it's like uh, my favorite people have no gap, right? There's just like one version of themselves. And in the past, I think I definitely had a gap. Ben, I don't think you really have a gap. You're always on. You're always intense. You're always intentional. Um, You take everything seriously, which is rare. And yeah. I think You're great. part of, I appreciate that. <laughs> We're big uh, fans of Ben. I know, but part of what resonated with me when I first started reading your content was I feel like there's, when you embody your true authentic self and you realize that you, in a lot of instances, will do that at the expense of relationships because people maybe just, when you when you start to really become your true self and you're not catering to what other people want, like you're going to lose relationships. You're going to have people who are judging you and it takes a level of bravery and courage and confidence to not waver from your true self at the expense of knowing those things will happen. And I think for me, when I started reading your content, it was just a level of relatability for me where like there are other people out there who feel like misfits the same way that I do. And it's just harder to come by them. And when you find them, you kind of just don't let them go to your point because there's not that many of them. It's, right? basically, it's basically you, Hunter and Dylan. And that's basically it. Like there are some others that I don't know that well, but like, those are my misfits. That's it. It's just so it's like you feel like a misinterpreted person who's now in a room of people who understand and like interpret you the way that you want to be. And the other thing that I think you resonate with the most is you don't ever want to exert the energy to have to like explain yourself to someone. It's like they either get it or they don't No, I think the always on component is specifically what people get or they don't. Cause most of my friends from college or high school who I still love to death, they just, 
it's like at 5.30 or at 6. It's done. It's hard to spend a lot of time with them. I mean, you can. It's good, like, too. But I struggle with it. I mean, I just don't have a lot of friends anymore who are like that. I also don't do that much socially, so, like, it works. <laughs> what, do you, what do you struggle with right now? What are you still working on? Like, in, in life, in general? Yeah. Uh, what to, like, build. I feel like every week I want to basically go fully focused on something and build something. And I'm capable of that. But, so that's one thing. And then number two is, like, I want to do daily YouTube videos, and I am, but, like, they're not that good yet. And I really want to make them good and not just get into the cycle of putting out content every day. Because that's, like, that's my worst nightmare is I just put out videos every day and they stay at, like, 1,000 views, 500 views, right? Because then what was the point? It's, like, the point of the obsession year. Obsession year is, like, one year of obsession can change your life. For my obsession year this year, I'm doing daily YouTube. It's, like, the point of it is to iterate every single day. Um, can we can we take a step back? Because I know I sure, just yeah. alluded to you as like the obsession guy, but there's probably people listening who don't know who you are, what yeah. it is that you do. So I think to contextualize what obsession means to you and how you think about framing that and making it almost your life's work, just yeah. so the rest of the conversation makes sense, I think that'd be helpful. Yeah. So you know, I, like I said, I started posting words. Started off really as quotes on Instagram from people I admired, like Andy Frisella, David Goggins, right. Um, that was like five years ago I started and slowly that shifted to now, which is all my own writing. Like the last probably two years, it's been almost all my own writing, maybe last three years. And then over that time, there was this one concept that kept coming back, which is obsession, right? And then it's in when I say it kept coming back, it was something that I love talking about and that other people liked. It performed well on the algorithm. People liked sharing it and it was unique. And then you know, I changed my bio probably like two years ago, two and a half to follow obsession. That was always there. I was always talking about it. But then I was on a run like about a year ago in March of 2023. And after the run, my phone was at like 1%. And I just had this idea, hey, let's put a tweet out. And let's say, put a black flag in your bio if you're one of the obsessed. And that moment, which had no planning behind it, it was just after a run, I had this thought, completely changed my life, completely changed it. And it's funny looking back that it was like on a run, which is like my whole thing now. Um, because, yeah, in that moment, like, hundreds of people on Twitter added it. Thousands of people, like, commented on Instagram. It was kind of hard to track. Probably, like, a few hundred added it to their bio on Instagram. Um, and it was crazy. Like, I've never felt that much resonance with something. And usually it's, like, funny. Like, even the Run Cult is an example of that. We could talk about that later. This Run Club I started, there was no planning. Just ripped it, and it got instant resonance, and it was obvious that it was a good idea. It's, like, the best ideas are not ones I... The best ideas are not ones you sit down and plan in a notebook. They just come to you instantly and you know that it's right and it's obvious and you do it. And so that's how the obsession movement started. And basically the vision with that is to create this new type of, uh, it's basically going to be like a religion. Like it's, it's like stoicism, right? It's like, that's kind of the framework for like, I think how big it could be, if not bigger than that. Um, stoicism is just this thing that people identify with. They're stoics and they study the stoics and like stoicism is how they operate in their lives. I think obsession could be bigger than that. Right. You have to imagine like 15 years ago, no one was talking about stoicism. I mean, yeah, it was like it's been around forever, but like, I don't know. So that's the vision with it is like, I just want to build a world around this one word in terms of um, all the content I make and products I make. And yeah, I think a lot of people have the right instincts about what could hit immediately mm -hmm. and don't want to plan and know that these could be the right ideas. Like when we start talking about this podcast. We didn't think about it. It was on our first call, like in person, obviously, in the city. Yes, cool. Let's do it. We aligned on something. So one of the points I really like that you were talking about is when you have that instinct, now you can action on it immediately and you trust yourself. When we were starting this podcast, when we first started talking, we saw that instinct and we said, okay, cool, let's do it. And I think it's one of the best decisions I've made in the past couple of years. And so I'm curious for you, a couple of years ago, 
I'm sure you still have those same instincts or those ideas, but maybe you weren't confident enough to like action on them immediately or didn't trust yourself. I feel like even now, like there's not total confidence in it, right? Then you would have already done it if you, if you knew it was going to work. There has to be some like uncertainty. You know what I mean? I don't know. So you're saying like a few years ago, I didn't act on it because I was less confident. Why was that? I think there are a lot of people that have the right instincts, but don't know or don't trust themselves to act on it. So uh, what would you advise? I would, I would actually say that what I know about Zach to be true is he actually does act on it. Mm. Um, like I asked him this question the other day. I was like, do you sit down and like block off an hour to write a bunch of tweets? And the answer is no. Like he, when it comes to him, he just rips it. Like he, He's look, he's built a muscle for five years in the thing that he's doing where it's second nature. And I know a lot of creators talk about this is when content creation really becomes an unlock for you is when you realize you don't change how you live your life. You just document the life you were already living at its peak when you're a really good creator. That's what it is. You're not like faking who you are to capture like viral moments. And so for Zach, it's like when you see something or feel something, he just writes it and chips it. And I'm sure it's taken a lot of time and muscle memory to get to that point. But I think the light bulb moment for you is like you've been able to do that and now that this shift is becoming more about you on camera and you as a personality and not just your words like with cool animations it's just like a whole nother challenge that you're just early on i think in, in enduring yeah i agree i mean to me though i'm very big on the word obvious like i say it over and over the right opportunities and things should feel obvious when you're trying to like sit down at your desk and map out like I spent all of last year mapping out this whole Disney world of like the obsession world. I did that for the last few years, but that never changed anything. What changed it was like ripping a tweet on an idea, right? You could spend hours planning that out for years, but it's just all you have to do is pick up your phone and start something. It's fucking true. Can we talk about the whiplash scene that you started to describe? Can you uh, sure. lay the groundwork for what it is? Uh, Sure. I mean, the, the breakup scene you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he... In Whiplash, which is the movie on Obsession, where you basically have this young kid who wants to be the greatest drummer of all time, he breaks up with his girlfriend that he's seeing at the time because he basically tells her that when I'm with you and we're on a date, all I'm going to be thinking about is drumming, and then I'm going to start to resent you because you know you're going to get mad at me because I don't want to spend time with you because all I want to do is drum, and and he breaks up with her, and then you know he does go on to I mean I don't want to spoil the movie, but you can spoil I think the movie. Ben hasn't okay. seen it. Yeah, I think it was the right. Let me guess. He goes on to be the biggest drummer. <laughs> sort of, sort of, yeah, something like that. It, he, I think it was the right move to break up with her, though. And I think it was the right move. We were talking about this this Lex Friedman podcast scene. We're talking about we're on a podcast, talking about another podcast now. But there, it was just the wrong girl for him, you know. And the right girl, I think you you don't ever question that. And she adds fire to your obsession. She adds gasoline to it versus like dousing it with water. I think uh, that's the difference there. 100%. And it's hard. It's really hard to find that, I think. But the right girl, it's it's obvious. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Hormozy had this great line about how if you're not sure how your relationship is impacting you, just look at what you built or or even your net worth for an easy number since you started dating that That's person. That's a good one. And it's a really easy litmus test. Yeah. How do you... You alluded to this a little bit, but I'm curious to hear how you think about relationships in general, right? Like, I think something unique about you, at least compared to Adrian and I, is we're both very extroverted we like enjoy talking to a bunch of people all the time in these moments of chaos and the thing i love about you you're just so opposite like you the other, and, the other and dylan is very similar where <laughs> yeah. you're just like i don't want to deal with a lot of people like i have only a couple friends and i know that and i enjoy it and i want it that way i want to just go build things i don't want people in my way and i want other people to deal with the things i don't want to do 
I'm curious just how you think about relationships as a category, both just friends platonically and then also like romantic relationships. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't have friends until like four years ago, three years ago. Like I had like no, I had like one friend. <laughs> and it's like when I moved to the city, like I didn't have friends. So like now I have friends and I met all of them through my content, right? So like that's kind of how I've approached it. It's just like put out, which is kind of in some ways messed up. Not doing, I've done some like out, it's kind of, it's messed up to say outbound. the word. <laughs> outbound to make friends. I've done some of that, but I've done most, it's mostly been inbound. People are just finding me from content and hitting me up. Be like, let's hang out. Cool people. And like, that's kind of how I've, how I've approached it, which is sort of messed up. But um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely like don't enjoy, I think I'm going to be in this phase for the next 10 years where it's like, if there is not some benefit to my mission of us hanging out, there's kind of, it's kind of pointless. But think about it. Like I've been hanging out with you and some of your friends. It's like, most of these people are in that category. They're creating something. They're running. They're right, right. Yeah. Like, totally. how often do I hang out with someone just random? Never. No, you don't. But I, I, I would. I would. Like, I'm not opposed. I think to that's it. what we had in common, though. Yeah. Uh, You're mostly like that too, I think. Though. Yeah. Right. I, I, my bullshit meter is very low. But you just have more of like a social battery than me, I think. Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent But it does. I don't think that changes the type of people that I prioritize yeah. uh, hanging around. It's really. It's kind of messed up though. Like Mark Cuban has this, this quote. I'm gonna find it. Maybe you could put it in. But it's just like, yeah, if you can't like somehow make me more money, like we're not getting dinner. Like that was when he was like or young. He probably still feels that way. Um, he's like, I don't have time for dinner. I'll send you the quote. Mark Cuban's old book, Savage Book, because he was pure obsessive, like literally taught himself how to code and just lived in the shittiest department and fucking sold like um, computer consulting, whatever he did. Um, and yeah, he just he was on the mission. I think that's something that I have, I, it's something I go back and forth on in my mind all the time as it relates to relationships, because I candidly am someone who I struggle to maintain relationships where it's not giving me something in return. And that something doesn't always have to be like money, right? There's, it could be happiness. There's a number of things it can be, but I think when you become someone who's so driven and so motivated and you want to build things and you want to create things, it's so hard to not look at every aspect of your life and figure out how it fits into the bigger picture of what you're doing. Because if you're doing something that you don't think fits into it, you feel like you're distracted veering off a path that you don't want to be on. And that just trickles into every single aspect of my life. And if you ask my roommate, he always says this to people who's like, Ben hates stupid people. Like he just can't do it. And it, it sounds terrible, but it it's not like if you're stupid, you check I can't out. do it with you. you I, check I, out. I'm not, if it's not interesting, I'm not going to fake it. Yeah. I think every touch point in a relationship needs to reinforce going back to do it again or to hang out with them again. Yeah. The one thing I will say, like a more tactical thing on relationships, because dude, I, when I was younger, I had like the most extreme social anxiety. So I would literally study how to talk to people. Like I read a book called How to Talk to Anyone, 92 Tips, great book. And in it, one of the tips is treat new friends like you've known them forever. And I read that book and then I went to like this New Year's Eve party and pretended that with this guy, Jack. <laughs> I shouldn't have said his name, but like said his name. And at the end of the night, he's like, Zach, I feel like we've been friends forever. And I'm like, fuck. So anyway. One of these tactical things I like is uh, this is not even cheating. It's just like when you like someone's work, just tell them and that's it. DM them instantly and say, I like this. Good shit. Don't ever ask anything else. And that like I've done that subconsciously over the last year, maybe. And I've met a lot of people through that. And what's funny is when my stuff started blowing up last year, tons of people hit me up and the people who were killers all did exactly that. They didn't ask me for anything. They didn't want to do a call. They just DM me and say, sick work. Keep it up. That's it. Do you think that uh, it's very common amongst creators or successful ones that that, for that matter, 
felt very similarly to you did growing up where they resorted to the internet because they maybe didn't feel like they had friends and it, you feel misunderstood and the, like your internet friends are the people who understood you? Probably. I played video games a lot as a kid. That's kind of where I felt like comfortable. Maybe. I don't know. There has to be something weird about your upbringing, I think, to make you do what I want to do. Do you think you have a big chip on your shoulder right now? Chip on my shoulder? Like, uh, what does that mean again? Like, something to prove? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I've oh, always felt fuck that. Fuck yeah, he does. I've always felt that though. Where do you think that comes from? But what do you, What do you mean though exactly? Can chip you on your shoulder. I know. I know he does. I, I know he does because he talks about it with me. Like chip on your shoulder. Like you're you're gonna be the best, and like nothing's getting in your way, and you're not necessarily arrogant about it, but you won't shy away from it. I think yeah. you know the example that I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. And I've been talking about the running. Yeah, yeah. And one and very I, specific. He basically like put a tweet out about another runner, how he's just going to do what he did, but better. Oh, Nick Bear. Yeah, yeah. He's going to crush him. He doesn't even hide from it. But it's super, yeah. The thing is, though, I'm super cocky with that stuff, but I'm also like the most humble guy in other ways. So it's okay. I wasn't really cocky until like two months ago. So I feel like I can get away with it. What changed? (laughs) Just like putting my face out there and doing the work and actually becoming a savage doing runs. Nick Bear does like the hybrid stuff, right? Yeah, but he's also an insane runner. And to be fair, I'm not that close to him yet, but getting there. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like, it's just totally different. I'm just joking. But it would be fun to like be a little competitive with him. Um, Where do you think that competitive streak comes from? Is that childhood thing? Is that soccer? It's two things. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's like feeling like a failure as a kid. Just like um, being really shy in school and feeling like a loser. But honestly, a lot of it comes from soccer in college where I, all I did in my whole life was play soccer. And then when I went to college, I played in like one game. So because I never succeeded there, I just never, I never won in life, you know? I think if I succeeded in college and had an average career, I would we wouldn't be talking. Probably wouldn't be making content. Probably be working in some office, like hating my life. Um, but because I didn't, I just like I'm gonna chase this win forever that I'll never get. But that's the whole point. Um, and uh, yeah, just since I was young, though, I don't know where it came from. I've been trying to think about this because I hung out with someone the other day who um, he basically had this delusional dream since he was a kid, and he's always gone towards this dream and never told really anybody about it. And I've kind of had that too in terms of wanting to be this like insane figure, like Arnold Schwarzenegger level fame and reach. And it's interesting to think about where that comes from. Um, I don't have a specific answer. I think I, I have my answer as to where I think it comes from. And it's the same answer I give. And I'll ask him the question first and then I'll tell you, what do you think are the three common, most common traits of high performers? Um, I don't know. Self-belief, intensity, and like long-term vision, maybe. I don't know. My number one answer, uh, and I think it was Hormozzi who said this as well, is insecurity. Mm, yeah, that's a huge one. So real. And so, I mean, the the framing behind that is that you never feel like you're enough. Yeah. That's, and you're on this treadmill versus yourself. Yeah, that's exactly mine. And so you just want more and more and more and more. And you'll become one of the highest performers because there is never... It doesn't matter what other people say because like I could sit here and tell you you're great, you've done it all, and then you'll look in the mirror at night and be like, I'm not enough, I didn't do enough, and so you're going to continue to do more. And so I I think that is like the number one thing because like if someone gave you $10 million tomorrow and said, Zach, go sit on a beach and just like sit there and retire, like you wouldn't be able to because it's it's you versus yourself in this game of, I mean, life. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's insecurity, 100%. It's a great answer. What's your- I've always had that. I'm still insecure about everything. It's like... That will probably never go away, but I'll just like do as much. I'll just do as much as I can to like suppress it a little bit. <laughs> what are you insecure about now? I don't know. Less than I used to be. 
I guess uh, less than I used to be because I've done some stuff. I actually haven't done anything, but I've done stuff that people are commending me for, which is why I'm getting a little cocky, which is kind of dangerous. But I don't so know. does the social validation help you? Maybe a little bit. It's cool to be like the best feeling ever is when the people you the people that inspired you start to get inspired by you, and I'm starting to feel that a little bit, right? Where like Andy Frisella is like inspired by me somehow, like telling me that, and like that's the sickest shit ever. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what it, what it makes me insecure right now. I think if I can actually live up to everything I'm talking about, I I don't doubt it though. You know, so like, I think I will. So I don't know if that actually makes me insecure. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I am insecure about stuff, though. I guess if I just if I can actually do it, everything I'm trying to do, even though I don't really think about it. But yeah. do you do you think there's actually like, I think the honest answer is I'm becoming less insecure, but I still definitely have it. Do you think there's an actual quantifiable goal, though? Because what I hear when I hear your answer of like to do all the things that I want to do. I feel like part of your part of your ambition. I think part of a lot of people's ambition is qualitative. Yeah. Right. Like I've been thinking about this. Is there because this guy man who had this delusional goal, it was super specific, and it will take him decades. I don't really have that. So what was I, the goal? I don't. I don't want to share it. But what was his? I can't share it. But um, it was just to do the specific thing over decades, and uh, you know, it's like it's useful to have that. Like for mine, that would be like artist athlete entrepreneur reach the pinnacle of all three it's like this is kind of what i've been thinking about it's like artist reach the pinnacle of whatever i'm doing so have the number one book in the world if i'm writing books um athlete be the best marathon runner in the world for whatever thing i'm trying to do Uh, entrepreneur i don't know have like a billion dollar portfolio of brands or things those are pretty specific that sounds pretty good but like is that enough probably not so i don't know the one thing that i've or among others but the one thing that i've learned from your content, despite not having meeting you, despite this is the first time we're hanging out, is the importance of repeating the same thing over and over and over. Did you learn that from somewhere? Was that just something you stumbled on? No, but it's like the most important thing ever, right? I didn't. I don't remember learning that anywhere. I genuinely think my whole thing with like owning a word is the only reason I'm going to have any success or it's the main reason behind the success I'll have over decades and no one does it, which is crazy. Um. I don't know where I learned it, but I do. I like one time I tweeted this and I think it's helpful. It's like, if you want to be known for something, talk about it often. Um, If you want to be known for one thing, talk about it daily. But if you want to be the only one known for one thing, you have to talk about it multiple times a day. And that's what I've done with obsession basically every day for years, like two years. And it works. It's working. Like my first million guys are talking about it. It's happening because I fucking hammer it. You have to. And uh, I don't remember where I learned that from. I just did it. I think... All I did was obsess over like branding and marketing though for years. All I did was like read books and read essays for years, right? Like 10 bullets, right? My newsletter, it's just a curation of the stuff I'm learning. Part of the reason why I've been a little slower with it is I'm just not consuming that much right now, right? It's like, that's what that, that's why the newsletter was good. It was just literally the shit I was consuming. Um, that's all I did for years. So I think like, and part of me would regret that sometimes. Like I would just sit in my, when I live with my mom, like sit there reading books and like, but that stuff adds up. And like gives me these insights that other people don't have. Not that mine are any better than anyone else's, but it's like, it's just years of obsession. I don't know. Literally created the idea of owning a word like obsession. But I think it's the most important thing ever to like own this thing and hammer it every single day. The reason it's so important, I was just talking about this, is because now I'm not just a creator. 
it's not about me anymore. It's about this thing I'm building outside of myself. And we could talk more about that if you want, but that's just like, that to me is everything. Talk to me about the importance of the artist side of this. Cause you can create and write the best content in the world or shoot the best content in the world. But the first thing that I actually saw about your content again from afar was how much it looked like old, like gap and J crew and Apple ads and yeah, yeah. the font choices, the color choices, like were your parents artists? Did you grow up like artistic? Uh, no, no. My brother, older brother's an artist, but it definitely right. counts. Yeah. He so, just like <laughs> casually drops out like only this thing. He's not really an artist. Uh, he, He'll not watch this. Where does that come from? He's a taste? graphic. He's like a graphic designer. It's not really this is art. exactly what we're talking. No, he's he's not. No, but he's like a graphic designer for companies. That to me isn't. I wouldn't even call that art. I call that like service. Sorry, Brandon. But um, <laughs> he actually is a great gonna, artist. I'm gonna clip sorry, that and sorry. With Zach he actually Instagram and force him to accept. No, no, he actually. Sorry, he is a great artist. He just like for work, he does something else. Um. Anyway, I think it's everything. I think like at its core. Okay, so we're. My secret kind of superpower with all the writing stuff has always been the design, I think. Like, even on Instagram now, I do these, like, handwritten posts, mm. and those do well because of the design of them, partially, big partially. And um, I don't know. I've always loved it. I think I have partially... Some part of me thinks I love design even more than writing, right? Like, I have this mood, mood board that is just, like... That's, like, my, like, blood of, like, everything I'm doing. And, like, I don't know. It's just... I don't know where that started or came from. I think it's just like in someone or it's not having like an eye for things. Not that I have like the most, the best eye ever, but like it's taste. I, it's taste. Yeah. It's, I love, it's just downstream of the stuff I love. I love those old think different Apple ads, right? I love them so much. And so to be able to like kind of tweak it as, you know, um, the follow obsession, like everything I'm creating is downstream of the stuff I love. Like I started doing these like cartoons around obsession. Those are coming from this like random cartoon I liked called like over the garden wall. You can go Google it. It's like this one season cartoon of the, it's like an Alice in Wonderland type. Uh, fall cartoon and i just like oh i love this style let me try to bring this into the world of obsession and it's like that's what it is it's just like you have all these things you consume and you filter it down and then you combine it all and then you make new stuff and most people don't really pay attention to that stuff but i don't know it's like the ai pictures right ai pictures i like give people shit on social media because they all look so bad when you do like the same prompts but mine i think look pretty pretty sick and like they're unique and they perform well it's not that much harder to make something unique with those platforms just takes like effort um yeah i don't know i i love it though the design stuff that's like my favorite one of my favorite parts because that's what i'm doing now just genuinely feels like i'm waking up and just creating this art project all day and it's fun so we talked about the artist pcu i want to go to the next vertical of what you define as the three categories yeah. which is athlete yeah you put on a pair of running shoes a couple <laughs> months ago and haven't taken them off why uh, I got into running because I was hanging out with Hunter Weiss and Casey Neistat and felt fat, felt fat. So I needed to fix that. And like, I also did this photo shoot with this brand, 10,000, and also felt fat in that. It's like 230 pounds, 6'3. So not like fat, fat, but like kind of chubby. Remember that? The shorts. Yeah, 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 yeah. sick, right? Um, Wait, those, were, sick, those right? were cool. They were sick, right? Yeah. It was cool. But I, like, I didn't like the way I looked in the photo shoot. I didn't like the way I felt. And I was like, all right. I, and I always felt like I need to become a savage. I'm 27. I've never became a true savage. I need to become a savage. And so I don't know slowly last year like i was slow up until literally november not joking i didn't run until under like an eight minute pace an eight minute per mile pace until like november literally maybe for like short runs i would run like seven something and then yeah i just slowly got totally obsessed with it the moment i got really obsessed was when i signed up for my first marathon because of danny miranda we did our first marathon together in december 
once I signed up for that, the obsession completely consumed me. And I just like was staying up all night watching videos, learning how to take gels, how to do pacing, what workouts to do. And did prove, you know, pretty good in my first marathon for not a lot of training. And now the obsession has completely consumed my life and is going to be a big part of everything I do now. What is it about running? Like, is there a feeling or an emotion that you get from it that allows you to just be consumed by it to the degree that you are? Like, I want to, I want to just reiterate for you to understand the extent of his obsession with running I walked upstairs the other day into the living room and he was telling me how he was watching like a video about marathons on YouTube and started crying. I did. This living room? Yeah. And he started crying like watching a video about like people accomplishing goals or marathons and my first thought in my head was dude what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and then my second thought was like holy shit this he's so he embodies what he feels all the time and now all, when I talk to him, he's either on a run or he's like writing and that's it. But the writing thing is what I know him for. The running thing is the new thing that I've watched evolve since we met. So I really just am trying to dig a little deeper to understand where this is coming from. It came on, like like I said, I was trying to kind Cause of... Because I think like to your... But not to cut you off, but your point of uh, I didn't like the way I looked and I met Casey and Hunter, so I started running. Fine. But to start running and then to stay running and then to do what you're trying to do... That doesn't just come from because you didn't like the way you look. There's more to that. Yeah, that was honestly probably a small piece of it. Um, it was also, that's where I found like this version of myself who I, I'm becoming now, like the true obsessed self. I found it on those runs every morning. Like it's impossible. Think about it. It's impossible not to change if you're waking up early and running by yourself every morning. That's all I did all last year. And I was really struggling with like what I wanted to do. Like turning pro, I was, I was in a shadow career. I was not pro. And the run turned me into that. Like I remember there were moments especially on the long runs. Those long runs change you. Like you're about to start doing a lot more long runs in your prep and you, you've done some, but it's like those long runs change you, especially the good ones. And like I would go on those long runs and there'd be sections where I'd go faster than I've ever gone and there's an intensity and energy that literally took me over and made me feel like an entirely new person and a piece of that stays with you after the run. And and that is what made me so addicted. And then obviously I, once I got good, it's like it's fun to be good at something. And like I love that. And I love that like, like even today i had a bad run today it was my first bad run ever so um, did i you did well yeah i don't want it's not about me this is about you but i am pissed because i so, did too so today i've basically twice a week in marathon prep you're going out for like workouts and not all usually one of those at least is like a big test where like this really matters this shows you where you're at like sprint workouts or so, so those actually don't matter that much to me it's more just like um these long runs where you're trying to hit certain paces or like today I did a six mile test, right? It's like a test, like let's mm. see what you can do. And so going out on those and just like destroying my expectations, like doing way better is so addicting. And that's all I felt today. I was the first time in literally months where I didn't reach my goal. So I was like, I'm kind of like depressed right now, but uh, that game is so addicting to me, those hard runs and like trying to push the paces and pushing through that for like, you know, an hour plus two hours. Sometimes it's, I don't know. I love it so much. I genuinely think the reason I'm a good runner is because I push harder than anyone else, right? Like, I don't think people go to the mental state that I go to twice a week. Um, I'm sure they do, and they definitely do, and some people definitely go even further than me, but I'm going to keep having that, like, chip on my shoulder that, like, they don't, and I don't think they do. I, it's been, obviously, this is our first time back filming in a while, um, and so a lot of things have evolved for us, even just in our own lives, and I think one thing that I haven't talked about on this podcast, which I've talked with Zach about extensively, I think you briefly, is 
when I got back into running, um, a huge piece of it for me actually was because my therapist talked me into exercising with no headphones. So I don't wear headphones anymore when I exercise and more specifically when I run. And that has been probably one of the most life changing change, like life changing moments or changes in my life over the last six months. Um, because for me, I realized as someone who lives in a world of chaos all the time, whether it's physically or digitally, I struggle to disconnect from everything. And so going out on runs with no headphones is like the first time where I'm really by myself and I've been able to process so many thoughts and have so many unresolved problems that get solved when I'm running that I realized sometimes I just keep running because of what's going on in my brain, not because I actually like running. Like on, I think it was January 2nd, right? Uh, Zach and I were, we went for a six mile run with our friend Casey, the one who introduced us. And when we got to the end of six miles, Zach had done like a crazy run the day before. So he's like, I'm done. Like I'm not going more. I looked at him. I was like, dude, I have to keep running. And I ran a half marathon that day. And I hadn't run more than like four miles since my two years ago in marathon training. And I was running at speeds that I don't even run it now. And I'm actually in training. And I realized it was because I was in this flow state mentally that was so addicting that I, I just didn't want to stop. And so I've started to really understand what you're talking about with the long runs of like, if you can really manage this battle with yourself, like you can learn so much about yourself and overcome so many things. And so for anyone listening who thinks it's crazy, like you have, if you want to try running with no headphones, don't give up after your first two times. Cause you'll probably stop like very quickly. But when you know, you know, if you get over that hump of recognizing the value you get from it. And it's something that I would just recommend to so many people. Yeah. And that, that half marathon, like that was one of those runs that changes you forever. That changed you as a runner and as a person, hundred percent. Right. It's I like, wasn't planning on doing a marathon. Exactly. You weren't planning on it. You just did it. That's what I mean. The best things they're just, you just do them. You just rip it. No, I mean, after the half, like I finished oh, the half yeah, yeah. and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to train for another marathon. Now you signed up for a marathon because you got addicted to the feeling. That's what I mean. That's what made me fall in love with it. Those runs where I tapped into that feeling, what you're describing, you push beyond what you thought you could do. It's incredible. And it's so addicting. And then the rest of life just feels kind of like a joke. Like even this, like what are we even doing here? I was just out there this morning dying at like 180 heart rate for like 40 minutes. It's painful. <laughs> I think that that feeling and that flow that you feel it's so wild seeing the back and forth between my outlet right now is like soccer. I'll go play for an hour and you come out with this very like pure relaxed feeling Yeah. versus when I'm going to the gym or I'm lifting and I got my headphones in, I have a podcast in and I'm reading emails and I'm catching up on slacks. It's so different coming out of an hour in the gym where I'm basically kind of in work mode. Yeah. And at the same time I'm trying to work out and I just kind of feel shitty after Versus going for a long run or going to play a sport without your phone. It's night and day, the difference. You're so different. Yeah, I mean, that's part of why like, I fell out of love with lifting. That's all I did for years. And like, there was just no intensity to it anymore. There was no excitement. There was no progress. And that's mostly my fault. Yeah, sports are great too. Sports can give you that feeling, I think. I played soccer. played soccer this fall a lot too. But I don't know. I found something else in the running, you know, that I just loved. I think I was, I was built for like solo sports, you know, 100%. Um, you don't really get that in soccer for sure. Uh, have you tried lifting without your phone? I've done it a few times and it's more enjoyable. It's definitely more enjoyable, but still nothing compares to being fully without the phone. And also I think it is important that you're doing something that you're very good at. Um, like uh, soccer, I, I played a decent amount growing up. And so when you're playing a sport that you're good at, it's pretty damn fun to keep doing it. 
where running once you get really good it's pretty damn fun Correct. to keep doing it yeah it's like would i be so into running if i was just like if i was slow that's a good question i don't think so i probably would have done something else i don't know it's a good question it's definitely a huge piece i love the idea of being faster than anyone i know let's talk about <laughs> run cult yeah it's great what is it give the rundown um, yeah, I mean, last like four or five months, me, also Hunter Weiss, like talking about starting some kind of run club because it's just like a thing happening. These run clubs are like the new, I don't know what you equate them to. I equate them to like the gyms of running. Like running, there's no gym because you just do it outside. But running clubs are like you get people together and they do it together. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's just like we kind of couldn't figure out an idea. And then like the other ideas I was saying, it's just one that week I started to like kind of have this idea and I'm pretty sure the night before I launched the run cult, I had the name come to me in like the shower or something. And I was like, this is it. So obvious. Go and do it. And I think I was on the phone with you like right before I launched it. And you were like, Zach, like it's kind of rushed. Like go do it. I'm like, Ben, shut up. I'm doing it. And and I, I was nicer. I didn't. I don't it's think the I said least shut Ben up. thing I've heard. Yeah. No, but he well, was. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because Zach is a very introverted person. And the thing that I don't think was given much thought. And look, I'm always willing to be proven wrong. Was that when you launch something like this. People are doing it because of you, and yeah. now you have an obligation. Like when Zach goes there on Monday mornings, sure it's fun, but it's work. Or like he's got fifty plus people showing up every Monday morning to go run with him, and they're there because of you. They're they're there because of the brand you built. Sure, it, it becomes bigger than you, and you remove yourself, and now you've built a really cool community. But for me, I was just watching Zach as someone I know to be introverted, doesn't want to talk to a million people yeah. who just impulsively was like, all right, run club, it's starting tomorrow. And I was like, dude, maybe we just like talk about it for a minute. Like, I posted it and I was like, all right, here we go. I did a good job, I think, actually. You crushed like, it. No, the way 100%. I promoted it, I, did, I launched it like three days out. We got 50 people to come to the first one. It was sick. He got 50 strangers to show up and run sprints on the Williamsburg Bridge. Super sick. And the second one at 52, last week was a little smaller because I, I cut down the paces and I didn't promote it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's sick. I think I needed to start something like that. Um, there's a lot of options for me, what I want to do with it. I could take it as big as I want to. I can make it as small as I want to, which is fun. It's cool to be completely in control of something, right? Like no one could tell me what to do. Um, yeah, it's uh, we'll see what happens with it. I'm, I'm not, I have no plans of stopping it. Um, I want to figure out ways to make it more unique because right now it is basically just a run club, right? Which is fine. That's cool. Yeah, we do like sprints and yeah, the vibe is different. That's cool. But it's like everyone also wears all black. I make them. Yeah, I tell them wear really? all black. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he's building That's a cult. Actual you have religion. to wear all black. It's a rule. And if you don't wear all black, I just give you shit the whole time. And those people haven't come back. I'm sure, they're having <laughs> great mornings. <laughs> well, it's also, and we also cut, cut off the paces. I'm like, if you ha don't have a 10 minute pace, don't come. And like wow. some people still come. And I kind of like, in the beginning, just take other legs. Well, no, in the beginning, Zach I just. That comes to me. He's like, Ben. How do I tell this person not to come back? I was like, oh, man. Well, now I just give them shit in the beginning. I'm now like, we're yeah. Getting, now we're getting into PR nightmares. It's yeah. like, well, I guess you got it canceled on your way up to the top well, at some point. The running community. So, okay, here's part of why I'm so excited about the running stuff is I love entering a field and just ignoring everybody. <laughs> I kind of did this with my photo booth. To be fair, that was like a relatively small business. But but that's kind of what I did. Like all those people were talking to wedding planners all the time and doing all this bullshit. And I was just like, fuck you guys. I'm going to do Google ads and get my own customers, right? Same shit here. It's just instead of Google ads, I'm building a running community and brand and content and I have a fucking audience. I don't need anybody. I don't need to network. I had this banger quote in my video the other day. It's super cocky, but it's like, I don't need to network. I am the network. That's a fucking banger. It's a bar. <laughs> if, That's if, a bar. If you're, a, if you're a creator, you are the network. You don't need anybody. And uh, 
it's sick. Like most people to do what I did the other week. You have you have to like reorganize people and collab with people. But now I could just post a story and people show up. And uh, to be fair though, actually a lot of people came to that are coming to that who didn't know me at all, which is cool. A lot of people just because that means that means it's a good product. That means people are people are sharing it and like oh join this run cult. They don't even a lot of people didn't even know who I was, which is sick. Um, most run clubs are all around kind of like love and kindness. Inclusive, and, inclusive. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I was saying. I got I started to get shit because the running community is very like don't step on our toes, be inclusive, get more people into running. I'm like, no. Like I posted a post yesterday, it was a little harsh. I might he might delete it. I was like, running is not fun. Running is not about friends. Running is like should be war. <laughs> and like I just love that. But you know what's crazy about it is that Zach is appealing to a percentage of like his audience is a percentage of people who don't feel like they fit into normal run clubs because they feel the same way he does. They just don't have the audience and the distribution yeah. to go talk about it broadly. And Zach's like the brave person speaking about it. Yeah. And all the people who resonate with his message are the people showing up to do sprints with him and a bunch of other strangers on Monday mornings. It's great too. Cause it's like, yeah, there's that piece, which is like people, most people, not all, I would say probably like 60, 70, maybe 70% now have seen my stuff. So it's like, they know the vibe already. They followed me. Like you follow me, like you know the vibe. And then there's also there wasn't really a run club for like guys. Go, like think about it. Did you ever go to a run club? I I live up in Greenpoint, and I avoid all the run clubs because See? they're like lovey dovey little too lovey dovey. They're a little feminine, and just like guys, like that's not something a guy does. You don't go to a run club to meet guys. Like even saying it, it's like awkward. <laughs> I'm gonna, ben, I'm gonna do a run, like no offense to Tyler Endorphins, no offense to Tyler and Endorphins, but like I was at Endorphins. It's like seventy percent girls. Maybe I'm wrong, but it was definitely majority girls. It's just not. A behavior guys do yet and maybe they will maybe they won't it's like guys just don't go to run club to meet guys it's just weird yeah but like there's a lot of guys who go to run clubs to meet girls so i just think that True. it's, it's i different. just think it's like what like tyler has a lot of guys and i'm sure they meet plenty of girls there but he'll tell you that his mission he, you guys are so opposite which is what <laughs> i love like he's all about good energy and love and community and you're like no fuck that just like put your head down and go do things that hurt. Like, like I want people to meet, become friends too, but it's like, no, I, I know, but it's, it's fine though. It's, it's okay to though. have different messages. And um, like, and truthfully, I don't think running is a group sport. I think it's cool to run with people and meet people, but like go run alone, like do this once a week with people, maybe run with someone like one other time during the week. To be fair, like I'm lucky. Like I have a lot of cool friends who are runners. Most people don't have that really. Um, not to be like cocky, but like just true. Um, and so, like, I don't know. Run, the beauty of running is alone. It's not with people. I have another thing that I, I want to talk about with you. And I sure. have a feeling somehow Manscaped will hear this bit they're about to discuss. Because I'm just, like, adamant that they at least hear about it. You have gotten over 50 people to shave their head. Might be more. Might be more. Can you explain? Sure. I mean, yeah, like, last fall, it was kind of going through this phase, right? Like turning pro for the first time, like really starting to realize I had to handle shit in my life and had to start running more and like was getting through all this stuff. And one day I just decided to completely shave my head. And part of that was probably Hunter Weiss who did it. He kind of was like, dude, shave your head. It's great. And also like I was watching movies. I think something that triggered me was a Beckham documentary. Oh, great dog. He, great dog. And he shaved his head once after, I think he was like going through something. It might've been after he did like the infamous red card. He was pissed at Ferguson. Yeah, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, that's when he did it, I think. Or it was something. But I was like, fuck it. I need to shave my head. And at first, it was like super uncomfortable. But then I just loved it. And I haven't, like right now, this is kind of almost getting long. Um, I haven't, I've kept it like this length max for like months now. And I love it. And I never had hair like this. And I just think 
if you want to reinvent yourself as a as a guy or even as a girl, there's literally no better way than shaving your head because now this is what my actual treat was, which went like kind of viral. It was like, if you want to change your life, shave your head and sign up for something extreme where you have to train every single day for it, whether that's a marathon or a fight or something. Because then you're getting in different physical shape and every time you look in the mirror, you're different. It's like the amount of change that creates in you in your self-image, like physically and literally, every day is insane. That's why part of why I changed so quickly is because I shaved my head, 100%. So like I was a new person overnight. And I also think if you're listening to this, you should shave it completely the first time because it makes you look like a freak and you need that freak. You need, not joking. You need like a two. You need, <laughs> That's why I'm laughing because I know you're not joking. You need like a two month freak period where you can't really talk to girls. You can't really, you look, can't go outside. you look like you either have cancer or you just like are fucked up and, and you need that period. A lot of the obsession art guys are being soft and doing my haircut just because I don't know, maybe they want to just copy me. This is a, Right now, I'm doing skin on the side, skin fade, four on top. It's like the haircut. But honestly, that's too long. You look good with that, I think, if you have a good head. Um, if you don't, you're just fucked. <laughs> but if you, uh, if you really want the effects of the obsession arc, you got to shave it completely, skin or like whatever, one. Um, do, you know, do you know the famous TikTok? He's not famous, but one of the, this huge TikToker, he does haircuts. No. His name Vinny Cuts. Is that his name? He's like a massive TikToker and he just tells these really cool stories while he's cutting people's hair. And I just have, it's going to happen because it has to happen. I want to do a collab with Zach, Vinny, and Manscaped, where Zach would just get all these people to show up and Vinny will shave their heads and Manscaped will be the sponsor of this event. What is it? There's also a charity, right? That does shaved heads. St. Patrick's? Is there? I'm not, I'm not part it, of the shaved that, head gang. So that might I be cool too. Can like we to do shave our heads. No, that year? might be sick too. Actually, there, no, there's a charity on the, on the island where people go and they shave their heads. That oh, would be sick. Great. Like me, get... Manscaped charity and just make this sick thing. Done. Cause like you shave your head, you donate your hair, you know? It's like, yeah, I get it. It'd be cool to do it for charity. Um, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I, uh, I feel like I got to learn so much more about you and I had a lot of unresolved questions even though I spend a lot of time with him um, I appreciate you coming on and joining us today of course pleasure thanks brother Parts you coming soon can you tell people where to look where to go find you uh, yeah best place to find me right now honestly if you want to see what I'm about is YouTube uh, just my name Zach Pograb P-O-G-R-O-B but my main platform is Instagram at my name um, Zach Pograb and Twitter Twitter's where the cult really is for obsession so check that out and my newsletter 10 Bullets just walk around Nolita, redacted Spring Street. Find a bald man walking around. <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. I told you I got recognized by this girl who just said obsessed. Just screamed, screamed at, me, at you? Screamed at me obsessed and then walked away. Like, I tried to talk to her, just put her headphones, walked away. If you want to meet Zach, just walk around Nolita. You'll find him. Yeah, and don't say my name. Just say, like, obsession. Love it. Thanks, right. man. Awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs>